can think of lots of things that would upset people, but like something like we should stop producing <laughs> manufacturing vinyl. Because it's really terrible. Like <laughs> I, I, I don't. You know, I'm sure there's a few um, middle-aged men who would tweet at me about this. You know, like well, very yeah, and, and the hipsters in Shoreditch. Yeah, with, uh, exactly. You need armed guard around there if you said that. to Sustainababble 121. Welcome yourself to Sustainababble 121, you cheeky little monkey. How the devil are you? Very well, thank you. And particularly excited because this week we are talking to a legend. Are we? Yeah. Oh, brills. What legend in my living room anyway. We are talking to the fabulous William Doyle, otherwise known as East India Youth, recording artist, down with the kids. Uh, he was nominated for a Mercury for his first album back in 2014, and then went and done some other stuff, and is now doing some other, other, other stuff, and you'll hear about that. But why are we talking to him all? Well, because Twitter, in it, huh. He went on Twitter and said some very interesting things about the impacts of touring and about how musicians may or may not be thinking about their impact on the environment and stuff. And being modern Twitter types ourselves, we said, that's interesting. Do you want to come and chat on our podcast? And being an absolute gentleman that he is, he said yes. He did say yes. He'd come here and he talked to us about things. So this is our chat with him. We talked about uh, all of the sea of plastic that you get and whether it's all your fault or not. We talked about mental health and the music industry and how it's all bad for mental health and how it's all part of one big culture of disposability oh and we talked about how all music about the environment is crap it's a lovely interview uh william is a really really interesting and lovely and generous chap so i hope you enjoy it as much as we did just the usual disclaimer before any of that we do work for environmental charities not william me and old do and these <laughs> are very much our own views and william's own views more to the point so have you got any beef with anything that you hear take it up with me or roll or william but not with anyone for whom we work yes yes all right get on with it this is our interview enjoy spiffing Hello, William. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Thank you very, very much for coming in to see us. Um, for anybody listening who doesn't know about you and your um, music, could you give us a little pricey? Who, who are you? What do you do? I am, um, yes, William Doyle. You've already said that bit. Um, I used to uh, record electronic music under the moniker of East India Youth. And I did two albums under that, uh, under that banner. Um, one called Total Strife Forever, which was nominated for the Mercury Prize in 2014. Cheers. And uh, <laughs> Culture Volume, which came out on XL Recordings. Um, uh, now I've kind of moved away from that. I've just I've retired that, that moniker. A lot changed in my life, and it just felt like a good time to sort of clean slate things. Um, and, uh, yeah, I've, I've just, I'm just right now uh, I'm about to finish... An album I've been working for three years on, and I'm knackered. <laughs> I just wanted to end. Please, 
please come out and just leave my head. <laughs> yeah. We wanted to talk to you because uh, you did a tweet that was very interesting and relevant to this podcast and its topic. What, like, what was you? What was it you were saying? Um, I said that if you were a musician and you were even uh, moderately environmentally conscious, that you needed to look at the way that you tour and think about changing that because the way you're touring and not thinking about it is really bad. <laughs> um, so yeah, having been in that position myself, having not thought about it for a long time and then going, oh yeah, this is awful. <laughs> so tell us a bit about what you mean because uh, you, you've done a load of recording and stuff and touring. You're not like you too, right? No. You don't take sort of vast cargo. <laughs> I've, I've got, can I read my stat out now? Your U2 stat? My U2 yes, stat. That you too have the same carbon footprint in a year as a return flight to Mars. Yeah. Yeah. That is insane, isn't it? Isn't it? I do wonder because they're like all about the philanthropy and, and, you know, Bono's big activists and that sort of thing. I wonder how they justify that. Do they think, oh, we just make up for it elsewhere? Or is it like this like we need to bring the message of you two out and that's probably more important yeah the universe needs uh half our songs about whatever the hell their songs are <laughs> i have to say as just uh, as I'm, i i quite like you too which is well, we which like is, you too thank yeah you. Oh, yeah yeah no problem yeah <laughs> and i've got feet unlike squid i will So what does it mean in practice? What was in your mind when you... Um, I think at the time I was feeling like a particular... My climate change anxiety had ramped up recently just because of the the heat of the summer. Um, I'd just seen the film First Reformed as well. Did you see that? The Ethan Hawke film. Paul Schrader directed it. And um, I mean, it's kind of a film about faith, I suppose, really. But it's, um, yeah, this pretty climate changey aspect to it. It's quite a dark, harrowing film that really stayed with me afterwards. So uh, it's great. It was a really good film. But I just think at that time, I was just thinking, oh, man, I just don't feel good about this um, at all. Uh, and I just, I basically, um, I, whenever I give an opinion about something, online i'm not really one of the people that feels like they need to have an opinion about everything i kind of am able to broadcast my views through the filter of my own um industry because I, I know my own industry in and out and i just feel like it's it's best if i can talk about issues via that medium i suppose um and yeah i just thought this is shockingly little discourse between uh, other artists and ju- just the whole industry in, in general about this topic and it's something i realized a few years ago where by contrast now everyone seems to be talking about mental health in the music industry and it's taken a long time for that conversation to happen more there's still not much being done about it but the people are talking about it the same thing hasn't happened for environmentalism um which has always seemed really odd to me because you'd think musicians generally you know in a broad sense like very liberal people liberally minded people so they would you know they'd be conscious about these things and actually it's, there's not much put into practice when you when you look when you scratch underneath the surface of it. So um, yeah, I just I just felt angry that morning and wanted to get some <laughs> some debate going. I guess. 
Did you get any debate going? Like, what sort of responses have you had? And, and not just to that tweet, but like when you talk about this, yeah, you know, the industry. What, what? How does it go down? Uh, really well, actually, because it, you know people. I think people respond to it, and and I don't think there's there's basically no no one's coming back at you saying. Well, you know, they're not disagreeing with you, I don't think. I don't think any sane person would. I think somebody might have come back to me and said, so what, you know, you can't, you don't make any, uh, say, you know, money off of album sales or anything like that. Are you just going to be, you can't tour either now? Like, what's the problem? You know, that's the only way you make your money as being a musician is touring, right? Uh, and my response was just, well, you can tour. It's just about <laughs> looking at the structure and how you do it and maybe doing it differently or... Um, but I think I'm really lucky in that I've got a, a wonderful group of people who seem to like what it is I do and, and are up for discussing these things. And there's other musician friends of mine who are also, you know, on the same page. And actually it brought to light a few conversations with people who are quite close to me that we hadn't even ever talked about this before. So, um, and I recently, I think I've just been being in a more of a collective mindset with the other artists that I know. And I think this is something that we've started to talk about. And, uh, you know, yeah, a couple of people we talked about, and maybe we should write some sort of manifesto about it or something like that, you know, and kind of take it seriously. I toured... I did two albums is East India Youth um, did one that came out in 2014 and then one that, that came out about a year later so I didn't have much rest in between these two periods and I toured uh, the hell out of those records um, and I remember the first album cycle finished and then six weeks later I was back out on the road again so I it was quite a long period of my life of just being uh, on, on airplanes essentially and I don't think I realised that at the time. I didn't even. I genuinely never thought about it. Yeah, it must ever. have been really exciting, right? Like, yeah, this yeah. is the thing. You, you're you're whisked, you know, whisked away into this like whirlwind experience, and you know, everything you ever wanted is happening to you, and all this stuff, or, or so you thought. And you, I think you you become quite blinkered in the, in those times. You know, you don't really think about what impact am I having not just on the environment, but on yourself, on your relationships with other people. It can just become, when everyone's just telling you you're really great and everyone's working to make sure that things stay really great and you're selling as much merchandise and whatever is possible and getting as many people through the door, that's all that matters. And any kind of critical, self-critical mindset doesn't really factor into into that <laughs> into that worldview. So I just think I became completely clouded in in that in that stuff um until i just broke and i couldn't tour anymore because i completely burnt out and a few things had happened with the with the record campaign and it wasn't really going very well anymore and i I'd, i i i want to get off this ride immediately <laughs> you know i wasn't feeling good so i moved out of london and did all that stuff and kind of took stock um but still i hadn't really thought about the environmental impact of what i was doing um actually i suppose the last tour, one of the last tours I did as East India Youth, we went to Australia. Uh, well, we went to Singapore, New Zealand and Australia for this tour called Laneway Festival, which is a touring festival. It's wonderful. It's really good. Excellent, you know, production. And uh, you get to tour with all the other bands and their crew and the camaraderie is really great. And, you know, you 
quite a lot of time off in between shows. It was like the ideal way of touring, really. It's not this in-out, you're leisurely, you're kind of getting to know the places you're going to and that sort of thing. But I thought, well, we're flying over the other side of the world. At the time, I was a meat eater, and I thought, I'm going to give this up for this tour because my touring party were all veggie. And I just thought, well, as some concession, I suppose, to, you know, my environmental uh, impact that, that my touring life had happened. But still, that's as about as far as my uh, wokeness got <laughs> about that subject. Um, it wasn't until last year, actually, that I did a tour. I'd kind of come out of semi-retirement and I did a first tour under my own name. When we got out into America, I became quite depressed because the tour was very long and uh, I was kept getting ill because of the bus we had. And the bus, one day I walked out of the venue and I just realised, I was like, the bus has been on for two weeks straight. You know, not the engine hasn't been on all the time, although it's been on a lot. But when we get to the venue, we're then uh, plugged into shore power at the, at the venue and we're just keeping the generator. If it's not plugged in, it's the generator's going. Just the thing is constantly on. It was never off for two weeks until we got to New York and we had a couple of days where we weren't playing a show. Then the bus got turned off. And I thought, this is insane. We're only halfway through the tour and the end of the tour is Coachella Festival in, in California. So what happens is all the bands go and tour in the States at that point with all rooms lead to Coachella. So if you multiply the amount of buses and planes and that sort of thing, so all of a sudden I just this great blackness of the, the situation, how bleak it was, just washed over me. And I thought, oh, this is so wrong. I need, need something needs to happen here. And that's sort of, yeah, why I'm here talking to you now, I guess, because it's ever since that moment, standing outside in North Carolina, I, I just haven't been able to look at what I do, the, the whole holistic picture of what I do in the same way anymore. And I haven't toured since. Uh, I would say plastic bottles is, is a massive one um, because the amount of plastic bottles you get and festivals and on backstage and stuff is like obscene like it's crazy and then you don't even think about where it goes after that a lot of people will just leave them in the dressing room and don't clear up after themselves you know that's that's sort of the way bands are (laughs) generally Um, you're talking there about the impact of of, say you and the people that are touring as opposed to when i saw you a couple of years ago i've got really strong memory of that tent you were in emptying out yeah and just being a sea of plastic yeah yeah but that's any gig any gig gig, yeah i remember yeah (laughs) i remember looking for my phone when i my phone got nicked at a gig in brixton academy and so i waited until the end so i could look because i hadn't really registered it being nicked i thought maybe it's just falling out of my pocket so i waited till everyone had gone I was like, I mean, I can't even see the floor, <laughs> let alone find a phone in it. So you can, you could just say tomorrow, if you were going on tour, you just say to the promoter or you know, the venue, the venue owner or your tour manager or something, we're not going to have any plastic bottles. You know, we're going to spend X amount of pounds on a flask for everyone. And that's going to be, you have to use that. That's the tour sorted then. That feels like a really easy, simple thing to do. When we were in Australia... I played a show with churches, a couple of shows with churches, which was great. Uh, and they're quite a big touring operation now, especially in Australia, they're quite a big band. Um, and all the band and crew had churches branded flasks. 
backstage and they were selling those as merchandise as well. So kind of making a cool way of getting involved in that thing without it being kind of a preachy element to it, you know, I think that was really helpful. So that's always made me think that that would be such an easy thing to sort out. Um, I guess like, do you need to be flying as much? I think is a really important question to ask yourself because I don't think in mainland Europe, I don't think there's much excuse for taking as many flights as I did in 2015. I mean, we were flying in and out of everywhere. And I swear, I mean, this is a total ballpark, but, you know, with return flights, I probably, like, took, like, 100 planes that year or something, or maybe more. This is crazy. And I just thought we could have stayed for longer in these places and driven between them or you know but there was so much gap sometimes between a, a show so it's about scheduling your trips and make sure you do these things in in one slab rather than scattered across like a few months time so I think that's like a really important one is just ask yourself like do we need to be going here because a lot of those shows we end up we go and play to like one man and his dog sometimes you know really the depressing out outcome of those things is like i've flown here it's taken me you know we've flown in the night before now we're here doing the show and there's no one here and then we go back tomorrow and it's like what was the point of that oh no right if i told them once i told them a hundred times but spinal tap first and puppet show last So do, do you, as the, as the artist, like have that level of control? Like, can, can you actually say, right, we're not we're not doing the gigs in this order. We're doing them in this order, which makes geographical sense, and we can drive between and we'll take the train or whatever. Or is it just right? No, there's a treadmill. Jump on. Who is the Who is the bastard? There's, there's, there's yeah, a, exactly. yeah, there's a lot of bastards. Um, <laughs> I think, and I think that it's not it, it, you. I think to answer your question, yes, you are the person in in charge of this thing. But I think it's very, very easy to be deceived that you're not most of the time. Okay. Uh, I think that was my experience. Is that well, you should trust these people, or your booking agents, or the record label, because they they know this stuff better than I do. They know how to do an album campaign. They know what it means to run a successful campaign to make sure you're as successful as possible. Um, that's not being unfair on the record label or the booking agent. I feel like if you were, as the artist, able to speak to them directly and say, we should change what we're doing, uh, well, people I work with at least would be very open to saying, okay, you want to tour in a more ecological way? Let's we'll do that. You know, we'll, we'll figure out a way. Um, I indeed, I've talked to my booking agent uh, about that, um, and we've talked about things like slow touring. This like concept of slow touring, which is I think really interesting idea. This is good on a on a uh, environmental level as much I suppose as it is a, a personal mental health one but just not doing that treadmill not doing the fly in and out and cramming as many shows into one year as possible which why was what we were doing you go to a city and you spend a week there and you do maybe a couple of shows and you contribute to being there and it be kind of a more wholesome activity um for the, your audience and for you, you know, a way of cultivating a stronger relationship with the place you go to. Maybe you get to meet other collaborators there, and also, yeah, you're you're doing you're giving people a few chances to see you, uh, who may be able to travel in from out of town at a more convenient time and 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 do it that way rather than having to go to them all the time. So you're minimising the amount of dates you do because, well, A, you'll cost more to, to, to do these slow tours, but it means that you're just more selective 
uh, about what you play. So you're going to fewer places. So that immediately reduces your impact. So, but does the economics of the industry work like that? Because presumably it's not in anyone's interest to send you crisscrossing a continent unless it's the cheapest thing to do or the way to make the most money. So how do you, how do you deal with that, given all the pressures in the industry to wring every penny out of everything? Mm, I don't know. Uh, I'm not even sure there was. <laughs> I think the music industry is still even though there's a lot less money in it now than there were, was 20 years ago, it's still a lot of throwing that little money left into a massive black hole. <laughs> so I don't think anyone really thinks about it, <laughs> to be honest. So it's not this well-oiled machine, kind of. Christ, no. <laughs> it's really not. No. My God. I, um, so so to, be, yeah. to be like devil's advocate about this, because it sounds, it sounds like you have taken a like deeply kind of, well, a deep look at, at your own impact and... Um, and what the artist can do but to be devil's advocate about it isn't it more the case of like our economy is structured in such a way that the people who come to see you are going to be emitting a huge amount of carbon and getting there and then eating a huge amount of crap poorly produced meat probably when when they get to these venues like and and that's not your fault or the fault of the artist or the or the music industry to be honest that's because we've got towns and cities that are poorly laid out big out-of-town music venues that are impossible to get to. Like, so, so isn't, are, you, are you really looking at the right, in the right place to fix all this, to be honest? Well, those problems are so manifest, I think, that, they're, that it's, it's just... I don't know how you'd even go about solving that, really, other than just to say, right, I'm just not going to do it anymore. You know, if I can't... If, 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 my, if my presence in a city is going to contribute... To so much stuff that I have no, I've got control over plastic bottles in my backstage, but not how people get to my show or whatever. I mean, where do you start? Like, it's a granular issue that is that's that's really difficult. But I do think that um, if you're able to make it part of your art, if you're able to make it part of the reason that people come to your show and and invest in you in some way then you're changing their mindset about maybe those things, about how oh, maybe I should get there differently. You know, like encouraging people to take uh, to cycle to your show is probably quite easy through Twitter. You could even incentivize it. You know, you could tweet out saying, if you ride to our show and you can prove it, you know, then we'll, we won't punch you in the face. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> we'll, um, we'll, we'll, we'll give you a free T-shirt or something like that. You know, there's ways of kind of balancing these things out. But yeah, I don't know. There's, there's, a, lot of, there's a lot of stuff in there. You can pick your partners, I suppose, with um, in terms of, okay, I want to see this venue's, uh, you know, sustainability policy. And if it doesn't chime in with my politics, I'm not going to play there. Or this promoter, if they're not thinking about yeah. these things. So it's up, it's the, the onus still is on you there to be able to ask these questions of people and then make a decision based on, on those things, whether you want to do it or not. I think we could see... I think we should see a lot of artists ask these questions of festivals in particular because festivals are like an ecological nightmare, I feel like. A lot of them are anyway. I think there's, um, I, I guess, I'm, I don't know this from, from experience per se, but I suppose they do have uh, some sustainability quotas they need to fulfil. But I think artists should be looking at their policies and if it's not good enough, then they won't play. I don't get how much the fear is. I think there needs to be like some boycotting going on um, because people just aren't taking enough responsibility 
themselves, you know. And I think that people should be playing less if that's what it takes, you know. They shouldn't be playing all these shows if that's what it takes, you know. It's not your God-given right to travel and 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 spread your 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 art, your music, you know. It's kind of that's a very egotistical idea, I think. <laughs> Unless you're Bono. Unless you're Bono, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Saint Bono to you. Thank you. But he would argue. I mean, but they they would argue, wouldn't they? Well, we come and listen to our songs, and you you know we'll tell you something about the world, and you'll come out of it with a different view of the world. And yeah, yeah, you know, people will emit enough carbon to get you to Mars and back, but the message is what counts, right? Because it's not like you, you're not going to watch stock car racing. You're actually going to go take part in a kind of <laughs> yeah. cultural pursuit where hopefully people are learning stuff. Right? Yeah, the, 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 I guess maybe that's the way that the, 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 you can try and justify it to yourself, maybe. It's like, well, I'm, I'm doing something good, you know. I'm, I'm kind of broadening people's perspective about something, but I don't know. It just seems to me like if you're not, if you're not broadening their perspective about this issue now, then you've, you've got your priorities twisted. And so everything fell upon me. You've talked about the the kind of unceasing uh, touring schedule and the, the relentless treadmill and the impact that has on the environment, but you're also sort of touching on the impact that has on you. And you've written a bit about about that in terms of, of mental health. So is this all? Do you think this is all connected? Or do you think that these stresses are all? part of it. they're all a symptom of the same sort of rotten system if you like definitely it's like uh the answer to a lot of questions we might be raising here from someone who didn't really care that much about it would be well that's the way we've always done it you know and i do think the i can't speak for other industries but i'm sure it's the same you know i think that's that's the problem the whole structural problem with any industry probably is that people just don't want to deviate from this this archaic norm so you know uh looking after artists well-being is a is a compassionate argument i think um and i uh, and i think for people who are in it in the industry in a like bottom line sense they're not going to be interested in that you have to be able to tell them why this is a bad business decision for them you know it's a bad business decision to invest in putting a band's record out or an artist's record out and piling all this money into it if when they go and start a campaign they do the campaign they quit the, the tour after a few months because they're burnt out mentally and physically You've lost your investment there. I think that's a really simple economic argument to make, you know. A horrible one, though, isn't it? I mean, I, I see where you're coming from, but well, it's I think shame you have to do it like that. Definitely. But I do think there's that, 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 that conveyor belt mentality does exists, you know. I think we're starting to get there in terms of mental health uh, where, yeah, I think labels are probably looking at how ridiculous the situation is where... The amount of people who are taking their own lives or or just stopping touring altogether, you know, is, is getting is kind of getting a bit out of hand at the moment. It certainly feels that way to me. It's not something I would have read about that much like five, ten years ago, but I since I started in the music industry, definitely in the last few years, it seems to have become like a recurring theme and it's like 
it's on all the, the you know people are debating it on all the music conference panels now and that sort of thing but still I kind of feel like we're not getting anything done <laughs> and I guess it's probably going to be the, a, a, a similar cyclical thing that's going to happen if we start talking about environmentalism more because that isn't on all the agendas at music conferences actually and I want to see that change but what happens invariably at these things is you have a bunch of very intelligent and well-intentioned um, people on a panel who just go, yes, we all agree with each other about this thing and then we just move on to the next topic without actually anyone going, right, what are we actually going to do about this thing? You know, what is the, the, the outcome of these things? And I think that's something that plagues the discourse, you know, in the industry. Well, not only that industry. I think it's yeah, that I place of discourse in a lot of industries, well, including well, ours. Well, job, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So what if, if I'm a fan of yours or a fan of U2s or a fan of whoever's, like what, what, can I, what should I be doing about all of this stuff? You know, mental health in the industry, environmental impacts of the industry. Like, should I be demanding things, do you think? Or, yeah, what should I do? I don't think, as like a, I'm not sure how much power as a consumer that you have. I mean, I, you know, because I am, I'm a consumer of music as well, you know, to put it in a, in a kind of businessy term. Uh, I, I don't really know what my impact would be. Um, I can think of lots of things that would upset people, but like something like we should stop producing <laughs> manufacturing vinyl. <laughs> Because it's really terrible. Thank you, Moses. Like, I, I don't, you know, I'm sure there's a few uh, middle-aged men who would tweet at me about this. You know, like well, very yeah, and, and the hipsters in Shoreditch. Yeah, would, uh, exactly. You need an armed guard around there if you said that. <laughs> then precious vinyl collection. I'm someone who buys records as well, but like, because I like them as objects, I suppose. Yeah. It's the new Bell and Sebastian. It's the record we've been listening to and enjoying, Barry. Well, that's unfortunate because it sucks ass. I don't know. Um, to be blunt, you know, I'm about to have finished this album I've been working on for three years now, and it's going to come out, and it's probably going to come out on vinyl, <laughs> despite what I just said, <laughs> you know, because, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 I've, maybe I should be taking a, a more of a stand on, 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 on that thing, but I just think there's, you have to choose your battles in places and try to eventually work towards a position where you're able to 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 make a, a better impact there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but it's got to be better. I mean, one of the things about the music industry that's got to be better now is the amount of shit, as in CDs yeah. and vinyl and tapes. No, I mean, okay, those things are still around to varying degrees. Cassettes are still a thing, yes. Well, that's another thing that that, that you know, retro kind of fashion is that cassettes are more of a thing now than Shut up. yeah, people are bringing stuff out. On yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but we did have we had a question about this from a from a listener a while ago, yeah, from um, Dave, a production unit on Twitter. Oh, very good. Okay, uh, and and we're not sure actually about the answer, like because as I understand it, you know, if you're constantly streaming a thing, then you've got that's that's telling a server somewhere in the Nevada, Nevada desert to run a whole series of intensive calculate uh what's it called Pro- you know processor things processor things <laughs> yeah. As well. yeah, yeah you know so it's not quite as simple as there is an impact and if you're doing that repeatedly yeah uh that could add up to quite a lot whereas you know, i feel like because i've got vinyl as well you know my old little records pootling around on a fairly low impact probably not as mad as yeah i think uh, that's i think there's something there's definitely conversations being had there um yeah okay mass producing a lot of 
physical product isn't good for the environment, but is streaming worse? I have no idea. Mm. It's certainly worse for the f***ing artist. <laughs> <laughs> I get 0.005 pence per play. And you'll be grateful. Yes. Uh, it's, it's disgusting that you would want more than that. <laughs> I think I just saw my, ro- my royalty statement for... Uh, like the last couple of months recently and this bear in mind I've self-released my most recent single so there's no I'm not I'm taking the 100% of the royalties basically or sorry 85% because the person who's aggregated it out to all the different streaming services to take 15% um, and it was like £1.84 or something like that and I was like what? I, I don't even know what I'm going to I can't buy a sandwich for that probably so you know. Tesco's you can oh yeah that's a good tip thanks So your most recent thing of yours, what I heard, was your collaboration with Erlen Cooper, mm. uh, Murmuration, which was, I, this, I mean, his stuff is inspired by nature. So do you draw inspiration from nature and environment in your music? And can we expect a bit more of that sort of stuff? I've got my own records that I'm just about to finish that hasn't got a name yet. Um, who knows when it's out as well, <laughs> next year at some point. Um, it is to do with environment uh, but not in that way. It's kind of it's about suburbs actually. It's about suburbia, um, and actually one of the songs um, on it um, is is sort of like a it's kind of a gospely song <laughs> about uh, ecological urbanism. It's called actually. Now I don't want to go too far into this now because I don't really understand the whole <laughs> concept. But I read quite a lot about it. Um, in the last couple of years and as I was starting to look at the topic of um, modern British suburbia which is basically what the whole record's about um, this idea of um, ecological urbanism came up because it seems to me like it's sort of uh, uh, analogous to looking at a decentralised web I suppose rather than centralising people's lives in livelihoods and consumption within dense metropolitan urban centres, we need to uh, fragment that into smaller uh, places, you know, and rather than be uh, places that are like commuter towns, actually make those places themselves hubs of activity. So people aren't travelling to the the nearest nearby, the big city for their serious culture um, and their well-subsidised culture, but actually let's start investing in places in a more fragmented uh, sense. So that's one of the topics of one of the songs on the record. Uh, probably the first person who's written a song about ecological weaponism. Yes, I shall wager it is. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Certainly one that doesn't suck. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And that idea was called the, the Continuum, and that's the song title as well, Continuum. So, yeah, it's not looking at, you know, in, in, by contrast to Erland's music, which is all about this sort of, like, you know nature in a way that you'd think about that if somebody says the word nature to you where they you know it's about the wildlife and the, the sea and these sorts of things i think it's actually i think it would be more i think it's more it's important to also look at things that you don't consider nature in terms of how you look at the landscape environment and i don't think people think of like commuter towns and that kind of thing as being of that Elk, but actually, I'm saying that maybe we sh- should look at them in those kinds of ways as well. We want we should be trying to protect all the environment, not just like the bits that you think of as these sort of grand vistas and amazing mountains and forests and trees and that sort of thing. 
Tom, for goodness sake, that's the most ungrateful thing I've ever heard. I mean, Margot's doing her best. She's the odd one out here. It's not her fault if she's all weak and feeble. <laughs> weak and feeble, am I? So obviously your, your new album about uh, ecological urbanism is going to be the breakthrough album for all things considering the planet and, and uh, our interaction with it. You're going to look so stupid when it is. Yeah, no, no, no it will be. Uh, but but we, we did an episode about, about music in, and, and the environment ages and ages ago and basically concluded that particularly about climate change, there aren't any decent songs about climate change, or at least the ones that try are a bit crap. Do you, like, do you agree? And if so, why? You know, there's huge protest movements about any other sort of social movement. Why? Why is it hard to write about climate change? Well, I think all political songs are really terrible in <laughs> terms of how. Like, <laughs> that's a big call. Could <laughs> <laughs> get Billy Bragg in it. <laughs> I just think the problem, and I'm, this is a purely artistic thing, but like, you're leaving nothing up to the imagination of the listener. You're 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 yeah. you're telling them everything they need to know. So it's like, what's the point of the song, really? I don't really understand how. That, don't let me get this confused with I, that. I don't think there shouldn't be political music, but I think there's ways of being political artists without making, you know, a really, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, on the nose like song about those sorts of things. And I I think music should be there to like transport people and make people think differently about something so i think there should be a level of abstraction there that that creates an alternative universe that they can step into you know uh, to just to ref, just to reflect the one that people the reality that people live back at them all the time i just i know that people do do that and make it and they're very successful and a lot of people like them but in my perspective i just don't i basically like no music <laughs> that's that sort of thing so that's what i mean when i feel when i say like all political songs are bad obviously that's a very broad <laughs> statement that probably isn't true but i do you, do you see what I mean? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Absolutely. You, 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 you've yeah. left the listener out of this thing. You know, you're just telling them what to think, and I just don't think that's not a way of getting people on board about ideas. <laughs> when I just talked about the song I wrote about ecological urbanism, no one's going to be able to tell it's about that just by listening to the words. Only I'm, I can, they're going to find out about it by me telling you now, like I just did, you know. And I think that's a more interesting prospect for people. It's a more interesting prospect for artists making things and it's a more interesting prospect for people listening to things. I just don't think it's... The way of going is not, like, to shove it down people's throats. Radiohead, good example, I suppose, of a band that, you know... I mean, it, arguably, Tom York has written songs about... Um, the environment but I think they are they're so shrouded in his in his imagery and that kind of thing and I just think that's a way more interesting way of I think he's probably converted a lot of people into thinking about those things you know so I suppose you should be using your platform in those situations you know my audience by comparison is is minuscule but you know if I can even have a conversation a constructive chat with one of my audience someone in my audience about this thing then it's sort of it's been somewhat worthwhile you know you just do something for fuck's sake you know just do it you know it doesn't matter they just do something about it figure it out if you the more you spend twiddling your thumbs and not 
I'm just pretending like you're not having any impact on these things is, is insane. But just ask yourself the, the question, you know, maybe you ask yourself the question and you don't end up doing anything about it, but at least start to have some conversation about it because there's so many people who just don't. And I think that's just irresponsible. So if people want to uh, find out more about you and when your album's coming out and listen to all your cool stuff, how do they do that then? Um, also, what's the way they can return the most financial value to you as an artist? <laughs> um, well, I'm going to be self-releasing my next album, actually, so any way at all, actually, is the best. Buy a CD and, and record uh, when it comes out, um, whenever that is. But yeah, to find out... Um, uh, you can go on Instagram is probably my most used platform and Twitter I guess same handle for both at underscore William Doyle is my is my uh, handle so uh, get in touch it's just me there I don't tweet much anymore I used to tweet loads and that wasn't very good for the old brain William thank you so much for coming in uh, and chatting to us and good luck in uh, whatever the future holds cheers you enjoyed that interview very very much we really enjoyed talking to William what a nice chap what a thoughtful chap uh, and what a brilliant musician go and listen to his music it is excellent particularly I found if you're trying to get stuff done uh, <laughs> helps the old heart rate uh, do listen do check him out and, uh, and listen to his music and pay for it as well uh, that is just about it for Sustainable uh, 121 we will be back next week in the meantime if you want to get in touch you can drop us an email at hello at sustainababble.fish you can tweet us at the babble wagon or you can find us on facebook which we still haven't deleted have we because you know no, no, we're let's still be honest on no one's, no worried one's about deleted that. <laughs> that was, everyone's that was last year yeah. <laughs> just search sustainable on facebook and you can, uh, if you like what you hear, go to our crowdfunder at wwwpatreon patreon.com uh, slash sustainababble and bung us some cash, just a few quid to say thanks very much. If you like, no one's going to force you. It'd be lovely, though. And... <laughs> so threatening. And <laughs> you, uh, don't forget, we you can now have the babble on your tits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You can have us all over yourself. Uh, do go onto our website and click on T-shirts, um, which is where you find T-shirts that you can buy. Uh, and because we're clever like that, we did it from a place that only makes as many as we order and it's all lovely kitten-free cotton and stuff. Uh, and yeah, it's all good. So go and buy uh, T-shirts. Great. Thank you very much, Ulf. Thank you, as ever, to the legendary Dickie Moore for the music starts and ends this podcast. Thank you to William for being such a spiffing guest and for all the music he has brung unto the world. Uh, and most importantly, thank you to me <laughs> for being me. Thank well, you, me. Well done. Shall I thank Arthur Stovall for doing all of the design and oh, yeah. T-shirts Thanks, and Arthur. everything? Yeah. Or are we just thanking you? Uh, thank you, Arthur, and thank you, me. Right, OK. All right, we'll be back next week. Uh, in the meantime, go and listen to some excellent music. Bye! Bye! All support to I mean, support tours are definitely loss makers because you're, you're getting paid 50 quid per show or whatever. <laughs>
But you might be supporting Kylie. You might be supporting Kylie. Which would be good. That would be good. Yeah. I would like to do that. If you're listening, Kylie, I'd love to support you. I'm, I'm certain she's listening. Yeah. Uh, I'm so, def- yeah, yeah, she's a big fan. I, Huge actually. fan yeah, of the show. Yeah. Yeah. Friend of the show. Yeah. <laughs>